welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is July 31st, 2019, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today, we are sitting down with Blake Wilson, our Vice President of Operations, about his specific call to join the Ministry of Lifeline, as well as his family's call to enter into the journey of adoption. We will discuss a little bit more about Blake and his background and and just the distinct way that the Lord called he and Shay, his wife, to adoption, but also we will discuss what sets Lifeline apart and makes our domestic ministry distinctively different. But before we do, I want to remind you that Lifeline's 8th annual Run for One 5K and One Mile Fun Run is less than one month away. You can join us on August 24th, it's a Saturday, at one of our seven organized Run for One locations, or sign up and run right where you are, with the option to run where you are. When we come together, whether on the same course, in different states, or in a whole different country, we are making a real impact and difference in the world of vulnerable orphans and children. So let's fill up the map, or dare we say the globe, with runners who are changing lives of vulnerable children. So here's how you can get engaged today, July 31st, for the run in just 24 days. First, go to runfor15k.org. Again, that's runfor15k.org. Pick a Run For One location, be it Birmingham or Kansas or one of the Carolinas or Georgia, whatever your location may be, and then register. Create your own team and have fun with raising support for your run. Invite families and friends to participate. But whatever you do, join us to make a difference in the life of a child. So again, that's Run For One, the number 5 k Org. Choose one of the seven locations. Uh, maybe it's right here in Birmingham at Railroad Park or run wherever you are in any state or in any country. And we are looking to get runners from all 50 states. So if you also know of friends and family who may want to run where you are on August, Saturday, August the 24th, invite them as well to go to run for one, the number 5K org so that we can fill up the map and have runners from all around the country. Well, I am thrilled today to have on the Defender podcast a man that is no stranger to our staff at Lifeline, uh, a man that has been a dear friend personally to me and a great patriot, uh, co-patriot and partner in ministry, uh, Blake Wilson. And so we just thought it would be good for some of you to get to meet Blake and hear about more about what he does at Lifeline. Blake is our vice president of operations. And so he helps run everything internally from HR to finance to uh, our state operations. But Blake is also comes to Lifeline as an adoptive dad. He and Shay have adopted three children domestically. And so one of the things we want to talk with Blake about is just about their adoption journey, what ended up bringing him to Lifeline, and just his heart for how the church can support birth mothers, the adoptive parent, and the children involved. And so, Blake, welcome. And first, just tell us a little bit about your family, what you do for Lifeline, and how ultimately the Lord led you to work at Lifeline. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Um, so we, Shay and I have been married for 15 years. Um, we actually were high school sweethearts, so we've known each other 
a lot longer than 15 years. Um, and through that journey, uh, we knew that we wanted to have a large family. We, we began to, to talk about having kids early on in our marriage. Um, and what we found is that the Lord had different plans for our journey. Um, so as we began to have biological children, we faced some challenges. Um, and I remember vividly going to a conference um, with, with Shay um, because we were student pastors. We were leading a student ministry at the time at a church in Georgia. And we were at a conference with, um, with some students. And there was, a, there was a pastor that was preaching and there was some, some different video footage that were showing. But it was just, it was an awareness about the plight of the orphan around the world. And I remember that being the first time that my eyes were open to the need um, to care for these children. So Shay and I began to have these discussions about what it would look like um, to pursue adoption. And in this, in this same vein, um, we were already uh, engaged in, in a smaller piece by um, just supporting and sponsoring a child internationally through Compassion International. It was something that we had done since we got married, and it, it may seem small, but that was something that we, um, we took serious. We, we, we were excited to get those letters in the mail you know, a couple times a year from this little boy in Thailand that we had been sponsoring. So we, we started having these conversations about, um, about international adoption. So uh, we began to explore online and find, how do you start, how do you even start this process? What does this look like to adopt internationally? Um, so we went to an informational meeting in Atlanta and we heard about all of the, the risk and the process of what it looks like to adopt internationally and then became more aware of what it looks like to adopt domestically. And I remember getting in the car that night after that informational meeting um, and saying, we're not doing international. <clears throat> Knowing that we, we, wanted, um, we wanted to grow our family, but we walked away from that feeling very confident that domestic adoption was what the Lord had called us to do. So at that point, we just began to uh, explore domestic adoption. And here we are now, um, you know, 15 years later, and we have three kids through the adoption, domestic adoption process. Um, and it was really through that process and the education and learning of what adoption is, is really what led me to Lifeline and when we first met. Yeah. So one of the things I know, even in, and your oldest daughter is Lauren, and even through Lauren's adoption, I know one of the things that you tell a lot of folks and a lot of our partners is your adoptions were not with Lifeline. Uh, you had a private adoption and then a private agency adoption, but you did see a difference and you still see a difference today in the way that Lifeline cares for birth mothers versus the way that you saw these organizations care for Lauren and Lily's birth mothers. Talk a little bit about why you think in a domestic adoption, it is so important, not just to, you know, Find an organization that can get you a child, but an organization that's going to ultimately care for, love on, and minister to a birth mother. Yes, we we went into this process completely naive, not understanding anything, not knowing anything, not understanding what it truly looked like to care for our children's birth mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were taking everything at face value, um, trusting the organizations that we were working with. Uh, but I remember. I remember walking away from the hospital when we adopted our oldest daughter, Lauren, um, and just having a check in my spirit as, as to what is, what is next for her birth mom? Because I knew we were going to be leaving. We we're going to be leaving the state. We would likely never see her again. So just saying what, what's next and just wondering how is, how is this agency going to care for her? How are they going to make sure that she's okay? Cause I know Shay and I were so emotional with, 
being first-time parents, we were scared to death, didn't know what we were doing, had to get on an airplane and fly home. But just thinking through, you know, this lady is going to be going home without the child that she gave birth to. And she's going to be experiencing a lot of emotion too. So just just a lot of what ifs mm-hmm. and, and thinking through what is what is going to happen. Um, and just very limited answers and communication from the agency that we worked with. Mm-hmm. So just didn't have um, didn't have com- complete peace about about that. And, and really, that is that is one of the things that when I when I knew that the Lord was calling me into this space to work um, and, and to serve alongside other um, other brothers and sisters in this in this vein, um, wanted to make sure that it wasn't just an agency because I, I remember looking at the the agencies that we had worked with and just not just not thinking they did a good job mm-hmm. um, just thinking through what what I would have done different and the things that that the conversations that Shay and I had um, with these with these birth mothers and and wanting to invest in them and just not feeling that the agency truly had their best interest at heart mm-hmm. um, truly not not caring so as we were as, as I was just looking through organizations um, I said, I want to work for a ministry. I don't want to work for an agency. And I think there's a there's a distinct difference in that. So when when I found Lifeline, that is truly what drew me to uh, to want to partner and to want to to meet you and to want to to join this this ministry because it's so much bigger with what we're doing and wanting to invest in these these families, um, wanting to invest in these birth moms, and ultimately having the goal of the gospel because we know that that is the true hope for these moms. And knowing that's not what that's not what we experienced um, through those agencies, so I think that ultimately is what led me um, to want to be part of the team. Yeah. And so I, I even think about in in the role that you have, and I know one of the the key components that that you do is you help equip our states for ministry. And you know, a lot of folks ask, I know you and I, why does Lifeline want to be in a different state if you can work with families already wherever they are? Why why would you even want to be in a state? And and really, one of the first reasons is to have a local support of birth mothers. We don't want to work with birth mothers where we don't have local support able to wrap around them because we want to make that commitment that we're going to be in their backyard. We're going to be there for them. We're going to be there long term. And then second of all is for that support of the adopted family, where as much as possible, if we can be in the community with that adopted family, then we can wrap around them and support. So talk a little bit about just how important it is for us that the states understand the the key components of ministry to equip the body of Christ to ultimately manifest the gospel to these women, these children, and these families. Yeah, I know as we talk about state expansion and especially the growth in our domestic process, um, we have the non-negotiable of of making sure we have an on-the-ground pregnancy counselor in all of the all of the states that we work in. And really the 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 logic behind that is knowing that we cannot successfully minister and care for these moms unless we have a staff member on the ground because so much of what we do um, is is on the ground relational Um, it's not a it's not a transaction and making sure that our staff is ready to invest so the there is there is such um, an important dynamic of having a pregnancy counselor and having a staff on the ground um, to minister to these women because i you know so much of we we flew in and flew out and and there were there were a lot of uh unanswered questions on our behalf so it is so important to be able to have um, an on-the-ground staff especially when you're doing domestic ministry because um, these these women are hurting they're broken and we've got to be able to um, serve them but but even beyond that 
partner with local churches and invest in local churches to be there when we're not. Um, because this, these women are going to be on a lifelong journey. So how can we equip the local body to invest in these women, to get them plugged in, to disciple them um, throughout the rest of their lives? And talk a little bit about being an adoptive parent, just what you've learned from the adoption journey, and even some of the things that you've learned that that influence the way that you lead our states and you lead our team to, to care for adoptive families and even to care for birth mothers and, and children. Uh, you, you know, how, how has what you've learned affected the way you lead? Yeah, I, I, um, I think anytime, I think we all learn as parents in general, whether you, whether you have adopted or not, parenting is, parenting is difficult. Um, it, it stretches you individually. It stretches your marriage. It forces you to, to think about, um, just every, each and every decision because you're impacting your, your family, you're impacting your children. Um, and then there's a lot of complexities that come with that when you do have adoption as part of your, part of your story. So, you know, Shay and I have learned a lot about, about parenting. We've learned a lot about adoption. And, and one of the pieces that I think, uh, as, has become more aware recently is just the, the need for, um, on the ground support and additional support from friends and family in your church to invest because there, there are just different you know, as a child grows, there are just different emotions and different um, experiences that they're going to face that are going to make you question your answers as parents. Um, trying to be able to view things through the eyes of your child um, and the questions that they may have about their past and about their experience. And I think that you have to have a network of support around you, you know, through through professionals, through counseling and psychologists. Um, also through through just a, a support system of other adoptive families and your church um, to be able to do this journey with you because mm-hmm. it's a it's a lifelong journey and, and you know it's right when you think that you got it figured out and right when you think um, that things have have mellowed there's going to be a kind of a new layer that's going to be uncovered um, of just what what how they're developing how their brain is developing questions that they may have and really, as, as they grow, what is age appropriate? How much can you share with them about their story and what can they actually um, understand? So, you know, it's been a sanctifying experience for, for Shay and I. And I would just, you know, I want to encourage um, other adoptive families just to, to make sure you're plugged in uh, to that support system and if you, through your local church, through, through friends and family, other adoptive families, um, and then other medical professionals around your community just to, to do this journey with you. And then... Let's let's switch a little bit to international because I know, and you started off saying obviously you and Shay were were at this conference and it felt initially this pull to international adoption. Truth is, you were actually for a season in a Peruvian adoption process that was lengthy and long, and and the two of you had traveled to Peru many times and and been hands on on international ministry. Talk about just how what you saw in Peru gave you a heart again for international ministry and how you see that international ministry growing in the States. Yeah, we, uh, when I was a student pastor, we partnered with an orphanage in Northern Peru. Um, and that was my wife's first international experience. I've been to Peru many times, um, but it was Shay's first trip. So it was, it was exciting to take her on that first trip. And it was, uh, it was eye-opening anytime that you go travel international for her. So I just remember a lot of questions and a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of uh, emotions that anybody experiences when you see when you see things for the first time. Um, but we were able to uh, to partner with this orphanage, build relationships with the directors there. Um, still to this day, we have a good relationship. Um, but we through that process were 
were drawn uh, again to international adoption after uh, my two daughters were, were adopted and began to explore that process. And it was, it was a very difficult process. It was a long process um, dealing with the, the, the government there in Peru, just uh, an onslaught of questions and a lot of back and forth. And the process was really, really elongated. And we were actually in that process until um, really until the month that I joined Lifeline and we relocated um, for the ministry. So it was it was very lengthy, but I, I think, you know, what I've learned um, through the partnership with with that orphanage preceding my time at Lifeline was, you know, that the need uh, the need to care for these kids is not is not going away. Um, there is the kids are always going to be there. And we know, um, you know, many of the kids that I have interacted with or many of the kids that I know from that orphanage in northern Peru will never be adopted. Uh, and just the importance of of caring for them in the local context of how can we care for them in their own communities. So just um, the importance of what we do, again, we, we talk about ourselves being a ministry, but how do we minister to those kids where they are? Um, and that's one of the special things about what we do here is, is just to be able to work with people um, that the Lord has just gifted in the education field to, to develop these trainings, to, to, to train the caregivers, to work with the orphanage directors, um, to pour into these kids and invest with them where they are. Because, you know, the children that we were pursuing, we had been pursuing for almost three years. And you can think about how much changes in the life of a child in three years, um, how much they develop their mind changes, um, and how we need to, to make sure that we are sharing Christ with them there. Um, and, you know, I think Peru is not an isolated incident. It's around the world. So how do we care for them um, where they are? And it's just it's, it's so important um, to invest in them and share the gospel. And talk a little bit. So I know at Lifeline, one of the, the big things, and, and you and I talk about it a lot, and, and, you know, we feel like we're always completely going through a staffing process. But a lot of things that we believe that set us apart is our team. And through what you do, you get to work with our team. And, you know, we, we say we're looking for four C's. We're looking for someone who's called. We're looking for someone who's competent. We're looking for someone uh, who, who has good chemistry. And we're looking for folks with, with godly character. And so in, in doing that, why do you believe it's so important to make sure that the team is on the same page, that they understand our culture, that they have godly character, and and ultimately in a ministry, and you've worked in the local church and now in, in Lifeline, why is that team so important to being able to uh, to, to bring your mission to bear? Yeah, I've, I, I do a lot of a lot of interviews, um, talk to a lot of people, and it's, it's actually one of, one of uh, the things I enjoy most about my position is just talking to people that are excited and hungry to want to join our team and our ministry um, to hear their their stories and how the Lord has shaped them and how the Lord has has put a burden on their heart um, to serve to serve in this area um, so so as we evaluate and as we interview um, you know we always talk about the, the call and and what is it that the Lord is doing in their heart to make them want to serve with us and, and I think that they're in any in any business in any position there's hard skill that I think that you can teach um, they're a hard skill about everything that we do. I mean, the majority of our team are going to be social workers. There are things that you just learn as a social worker that come with time. And you have to be able to learn to assess families. And as you make decisions, um, you're going to become more comfortable with that the longer that you serve. So there, you know, as we as we interview people, we have to keep those things in mind. And as we talk to to some of these these social workers and 
um, just keeping that in the back of our mind is like this is this is hard skill that we can teach, but what what is it that the Lord is doing in their heart to make them want to join our ministry? And those are things that are always um, enjoyable for me, just to hear these testimonies, to hear how how they came to know the Lord, to be able to to talk to them about their call to to orphan care. Um, so I think that's one of the special things about what we do is to be able to have those conversations. Um, in a business context, to hear um, from people that are so hungry to, to be able to share the gospel in a work environment that are coming from an area where um, where their hands are tied, where they can't say something from the corporate environment, um, and those challenges to be able to walk in and, and see their eyes light up when I say, you have to be in, in the meeting room every morning at 8.15 for prayer, mm. and they're they're you really do that for work? I'm like, yeah, we, we start every day with prayer. And to be able to to really be, for me, to be reminded of of what the Lord allows me to do yeah. and what the Lord allows us as a, as a ministry to do and how we do focus on Him in every aspect of what we do. So, you know, it's just a daily reminder of just what a special place this is um, and to see the excitement of people coming from a corporate environment into the ministry um, to be so encouraged about about what we do and what the Lord's called us. And I think just even as we talk about that, it's a great plug for us to say, for those of you that are listening, if, if the Lord has ever pricked your heart to get engaged with orphan care ministry, both on a domestic level or an international level, uh, it feels like at all times we are looking. And so always uh, look at our website, lifelinechild.org. And you can look under the employment tab and uh, join our team is actually what it's called. And at any given point, we have different job postings. And certainly we are always looking for a plethora of social workers, but not every single job that we have is filled by a social worker. And so if you feel like God may be putting a call on your life for full-time ministry that is oriented around the gospel and around the orphan, please visit our website, lifelinechild.org, and look at this tab for joining our team. We would love to talk to you about what that could look like. Well, like in your experience, you know, we, we've talked about support, but what are some ways that family, friends, and the church can truly support birth mothers, the adoptive family, and the children involved? Yeah, I remember um, coming home with, with our oldest daughter, Lauren, for the first time, and the church that we were part of, we were the only adoptive family, probably the first ever adoptive family in this small church that we were that we were serving in. Um, and just for us, we were really, you know, we were first time parents. So, of course, we were hypersensitive to everything. Um, but just being caught off guard by the lack of awareness of, of truly what adoption is um, and being surprised by um, the need for education and the, and, and the number, number of conversations that, that Shay and I just had to have with with the church um, about what what adoption really is and really what this looks like um, and, and and just having to have some some tough conversations about what um, what it is and, and how uh, how the Lord has called our family to adopt um, but I would say for for us one of the things that we needed at that time was just um, a, a sense for our church to be educated mm. in what what we were going through and what we were experiencing as a family um, so I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that I've been most excited about over the past few years of we have, as we have rolled this out, um, is this, uh, this training that we've developed called Equipped to Love. And this training was birthed out of really circumstances that Shay and I were facing 
nine years ago uh, in our church of just, our church wasn't ready. Um, they wanted to help. They had the best of intentions mm-hmm. um, and they did a lot of phenomenal things for us. But just understanding kind of um, when this all uh, boils down to the, the emotion, mm-hmm. um, the adoption language, um, the support that we truly needed uh, was was missing. So being able to develop this uh, develop this training has been a game changer for us because there's so many churches that have benefited from Equipped to Love just with uh, the education components of, of how does your church staff truly care for uh, and minister to foster and adoptive families? What are those things that they truly need? Because I think there's a misconception of this is what I feel that they need, but really what they truly need. Um, so sometimes, again, churches have the best of intentions, but there's just a lack of awareness. So, so even from how to, you know, how to train your uh, your Sunday school staff, um, your support staff at your church to care for these families well and care for these kids well that are going to be in their, be in their class, um, and then just the, the the tangible of how to care for that family, um, well, has been been great. So you know, I think that uh, again, it's just one of the things for us that is, I'm just reminded of daily of, of why uh, Lifeline is different we truly want to equip the church to give as well. Amen. And that is our heart is to equip the local body of Christ to manifest the gospel orphans and vulnerable children. And with Equip to Love, we believe that these families need support, not just in the immediacy of bringing a child home, but ultimately through the journey. In the same way that our churches are wrapping around families with children's ministry and student ministry and men's ministry and women's ministry, we need a special uh, understanding and a special training to be able to equip our churches to ultimately partner with families that have, have brought home children from hard places, that have brought home children through adoption, so that ultimately we can reach their hearts with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Blake, thanks for joining us today on the Defender Podcast, and I hope that many of you have gotten to see the reason uh, that we all at Lifeline love Blake Wilson and we love his family and the way and the character with which he leads. Thank you.